The following is a rebroadcast of Stratford University's Tech Talk. To hear Tech Talk live, tune in Saturday mornings at 9. You can find us on the radio on 1500 AM, 1045 FM, 1035 FM HD2, 1039 FM HD2, and 1077 FM HD2. Or you can listen live online at federalnewsnetwork.com. Interfacing complete. Please stand by. Now downloading Tech Talk Radio with Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Tech Talk Radio, it's technology you can understand. And now here are Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Welcome to Tech Talk Radio. We are in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. I'm Dr. Richard Schertz. And I'm Jim Russ. And lots of stuff going on technology as always. Finally, FaceTime is available for Android and Windows users. FaceTime is an exclusively an Apple product and now they're sharing. Amazon devices turned on sharing. I'm going to explain exactly how that sharing works. Ransomware hit a food supply giant. Uh, And if you travel, beware of the evil twin. Now this week, we're going to feature Timothy Brooks Westergren. He is the co-creator and of the Music Genome Project and the founder of Pandora Radio. And of course, it was a huge, huge mailbag. There's a letter in your mailbox. We got an email from Barbie in Reston. I have a MacBook Pro and don't own a Windows computer. If I copy files from a MacBook Pro onto a thumb drive, Will my sisters be able to copy those files from the same thumb drive onto their Windows PC? This is the only option available to us right now because I do not have a Windows PC and and none of my sisters have a Mac. Is it gonna be a problem or can we all write files so that we can all write files to the same thumb drive? Well, actually, Barbie, that was an excellent question. And the good news is you can write to the same flash drive or thumb drive and transfer files between your MacBook Pro and your sister's Windows PC. However, in order to do that, you must format it in a special way. Uh, By default, Macs and Windows PCs format their drives using different file systems or file allocation tables, sort of an index of where the files are located. And uh, that means that if you use a Mac drive and they use their native file formatting system, they're not compatible. But there is one formatting system that they both support that is compatible. It is called the XFAT, EX. F-A-T. Now that stands for Extended File Allocation Table. Both Macs and PCs can read the XFAT format. 
Now, the XFAT file system was introduced in 2006, and it is optimized for flash drives. So in each machine, in either machine, you could take a new thumb drive, and you will choose to format it, and you pick the formatting style that you want to use. Like in the case of Windows, you have three, FAT32, File Allocation Table 32, that's 32-bit. You got the NTFX, that's the New Technology File System. And then you've got the XFAT. So simply select XFAT and on, win, on a Windows machine or on a Mac machine and select that option. And now you'll have a file system that's compatible both for Mac as, as, as well as PCs. But there is one small additional problem. The MacBook Pro has a Type-C USB. It's a little bit smaller. And Windows has a Type-A. So the same USB will not plug into both. The good news is you can buy a dual flash drive that has both of those USB connectors. And the one I'd recommend you use would be the Samsung Duo Plus 3.1 flash drive Type-C with Type-A adapter. Now that Samsung flash drive is, a, for say 128 gigabyte size, is about $28. So you can solve your problem, Barbie, and best of luck. We got an email from Dan in Richmond. <clears throat> Dear Doc and Jim, every time I load the Windows app on my Windows 10 laptop, the scroll bar on the right remains hidden until I move the mouse over it and then it appears. Now, every time I have any app that I've downloaded from Microsoft Store, this problem occurs. I've got health issues. It makes me hard to control the placement of the mouse, so I have trouble activating the uh, the scroll bar. Can you tell me how to keep the scroll bar from being hidden uh, when I'm not hovering over it? Well, Dan, it's very easy to fix this. Uh, you simply change one of the settings in Windows 10. What you want to do is click on the start, and it is, it's an accessibility setting. Click on the start button and then click on that little gear or cog to open up the settings window. <clears throat> then you click on ease of access. Then you click on display. Now toggle down <clears throat> to something that says automatically hide scroll bars in windows. <clears throat> That's turned on right now. So uncheck it. And once you've unchecked, automatically hide scroll bars. You just click the X in the upper right-hand corner of the window to close setups, and you're good to go. Your scroll bar will no longer disappear. We got an email from Donna in Pittsburgh. An easy and free way to extract images from a P... Oh, yeah. Dear, uh, yeah. Here, dear Tech Talk, I've... <laughs> <laughs> I've got I'm getting a little bit confused here, Jim. <laughs> I, I understand. Hey, if you take one of the you're wearing earbuds, right? I'm wearing he headsets. A headset. If you take move one off one ear, maybe it'll help a little bit. Maybe it'll be less confusing that way. Okay. So you're I'll only hearing that. in one ear. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the other ear 
hears me perfectly. Right, there you go. Actually, that's a very good, uh, very good suggestion, Jim. I'm here to help. We'll have to explain what's going on here later yeah, on. Exactly. Uh, email from Donna in Pittsburgh. Dear Tech Talk, I've got a large PDF file. Now I'd like to extract the images that are in this file and use them in another document. How can I do this easily and cheaply? Donna in Pittsburgh. Well, an easy and free way to extract images from a PDF is by using the Adobe Acrobat Reader DC app. With this app, you can not only open PDFs, but you can also extract their multimedia content. This way you can save the selected images to a PDF folder, uh, from the PDF to a folder on your computer. First of all, you want to download and install the free Acrobat Reader DC app for Windows 10 or Mac. Then you open it up. Then you open that application up and open your PDF. When the Acrobat Reader opens, click the selection tool. That's that little arrow in near the top on the right. Then you scroll down to the image that you want to extract and click on the image. At that point, you're, at that point, you're selecting the image. Then you right click on the image, and something pops up that says uh, "Copy Image." Click copy image. At that point, the image has been copied to your clipboard, and you can save it anywhere you want on your computer, and you're good to go. You can do that on all the images that are in that PDF folder. But you want to save one image, put it in clipboard, and then save that image from the clipboard, and then do the second one. You can't stack the images up in clipboard. Uh, we got an email from Elijah in Ashburn. Dear Tech Talk. I am a future programmer. Ooh, I like that confidence. And would like to begin <laughs> my journey while I'm still in high school. What programming language do you recommend for me to learn first? Well, that's the way to do Love it, right? Love the podcast, Elijah in Ashburn. That's the way for him to do it is get started now. That is exactly the way to do it. Yeah, get started early, start programming, and get a few projects under your belt. Well, Elijah, here are a few options for you. I'll give you three suggestions on programming language, and they're successively more difficult to learn. The first one is Python. Python tops the list. It is widely accepted as the best programming language to learn first. Python is fast, easy to use, easy to deploy program, is it easy to and easy to deploy. It's widely used to develop to develop scalable web applications. YouTube, Instagram, Pinterest, SurveyMonkey are all built on Python. Python provides excellent library support and has a large developer community. Libraries are subroutines that are already written you can just pull in and use. The programming language provides a great starting point for beginners. Uh, talking to the, if you're looking for a better job, uh, you could definitely learn Python. Uh, that's definitely going to help you get a promotion. A lot of startups are using Python as their primary backend stack. So this opens up great opportunities for full stack Python developers. Next on the list, Elijah, is Java. Now, Java is another popular choice in large organization it has remained so for decades. Java is widely used for building enterprise scale web applications. Java is known to be extremely stable. So many large enterprises have adopted it. If you're looking for a development based job in a large organization, Java is the language that you should learn. 
Java is also widely used for Android application development. Almost any business today needs Android applications owing to the fact that there are billions of Android users out there. This opens up a large opportunity for Java developers given the fact that Google has created an excellent Java-based Android development framework, Android Studios. Now, Java is more difficult to learn than Python, but it's uh, not that difficult. So I can sort of see a pattern here, start with Python, then go to Java. Now, the third one that I would suggest would be C or C++. Almost every low-level system such as operating systems, file systems, et cetera, are written in C or C++. If you wish to be a system-level programmer, C, C, C or C++ is the language you should learn. C++ is also widely used by competitive programmers owing to the fact that it is extremely fast and stable. C++ also provides something called a standard template library, STL. STL is a pool of ready-to-use libraries for various data structures, arithmetic operations, and algorithms. The library support and the speed of the language make it a popular choice in, high in the high-frequency trading community. Now, C or C++ is more difficult to learn than Java. Now, all three of these are, um, well, C++, Java and Python are all object-oriented programming languages. Um, so I would suggest you start with Python, move to Java, and then move to C++ or C. Listen, we love your emails. Email us at techtalk at stratford.edu, and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. This is Tech Talk Radio, heard on Federal News uh, Federal News Network, 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD2, 1077 FM HD2, Loudoun County, 104.5 FM in southwest of D.C. and 1077 FM HD2. Learn more about the programs at Stratford University and how you can attend by going to stratford.edu. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. 
We're in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. And now it is time for... Profiles in IT. Yes, today we're going to feature Timothy Brooks Westergren. Timothy Brooks Westergren is founder of Pandora Radio and co-creator of the Music Genome Project. Timothy Westergren was born December 21st, 1965 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. He grew up there right in Minneapolis and attended a very elite boarding school, the Cranbrook Kingswood Boarding School, during his high school years. His childhood love was piano, which he started playing at age seven. Now, apart from piano, he also played the bassoon, the recorder, the drums, and the clarinet. He loved music. In 1988, he received a Bachelor of Arts in Music and Computer Applications from Stanford University. While at school there, he studied computer acoustics and recording technology. After graduating, he wanted to pursue his music career. Uh, I don't know if his mom was happy with that after a Stanford (laughs) degree. right. So he played keyboard for two rock bands for for 10 years. Now, the first rock band was Late Coffee and Oranges. You ever heard of them, Jim? I've not heard of them. The second rock band was Barefoot. (laughs) I've drawn a blank on that one, too. Uh, uh, But after after 10 years of working in the rock band business, he decided to move on and seek his fame elsewhere. So he left the rock bands in. 1995. Now, he wasn't really sure what... I I just found some music from them. Listen to this. Hang on a second. Okay. Maybe that's why they didn't succeed. It could be. (laughs) I I, I can see why he he didn't continue. (laughs) Now... After he left the rock bands, his mom said, you know, I think, uh, Timothy, you're, you know, your career's not stacking up too much. And, <laughs> and he didn't know what to do next. So he became a nanny. What? <laughs> and he worked for five years as a nanny. And he, he says, Mom, I love kids. And she's, Timothy, you've got a degree from Stat- Stanford and that you won't go from rock band and now you're a nanny? He said, Mom. I'll get it together. Just give me time. Oh boy! So he <laughs> then, but he had some. He had a lot of spare time as working as a nanny because the kids would take naps. And so he he tried <laughs> his uh, look at as. Hey, that's so, my kind of job. So so he tried his look at composing. So he composed uh, the soundtracks for movies and for uh, TV shows. So he composed the soundtrack for the last best Sunday. I mean, I had to look that one up. I didn't even, I'd never uh, knew know, anything about that. Not in my wheelhouse. Uh, he also did the intro music for the Colbert, Colbert Report, as well as, for, as well as for the Charlie Rose Show. Now, I heard of those two shows. I've heard of them, but I, can't, I couldn't pick the, the theme song. I don't song. remember the music at yeah, all. Yeah, me neither. Now, then he went on, and he, he recorded uh, with a number of independent labels, he went into the management business, managed several artists. He, at one point, he owned a digital recording studio. Uh, he scored the feature films, as I said, and he uh, 
produced albums, and he performed when he could. But none of that was wildly financially successful. His mom still had hope in, that Timothy would, would, uh, would come along. Moms but usually in do. In the process of uh, his whole career, he was working with artists everywhere, and, and he could see how hard it was for artists to monetize their work. So he was obsessed with helping emerging artists connect with music fans directly so that music fans could appreciate their music. In 1999, uh, sort of pursuing this goal, uh, with the Will Glazer, they created the, the Music Genome Project. Now, this was actually quite innovative. It was a mathematical algorithm to organize music. They represented each song by a vector or a list of attributes containing approximately 400 genes or traits. Now, each gene corresponded to a characteristic of the music. For example, one gene could be the gender of the lead vocalist. Another gene could be the level of distortion of the electric guitar. Another gene could be the type of background vocals, etc. Rock and pop songs would have about 150 genes. Rap songs would have about 350 genes. Jazz songs would have around 400 genes. He would have each song analyzed by a musician, and they would check off which genes were present. And that would take 20 to 30 minutes per song. And then the algorithm would actually create a distant function between songs. It would say, how similar is song A to song B? They would look at the distance function and how far the two vectors were apart. And you would try to, if you would try to group songs together, you would try to get songs that had a short distance function be between their vectors. Now, they started a company called the Savage Beast Technologies, uh, and they wanted to try to sell this technology to radio stations. And say, look, we've got a great way for you to select what songs you're going to play to your audience. We've got an algorithm that will pick out the songs for you. You put in what you want. It will pick it out automatically for you. And so they, they founded the Savage Beast Technologies. That proved to be kind of a dying business. So they thought they would try to pivot. Uh, Tim Westergren was denied 347 times uh, to get venture capital. On the 300th and 48th time, he finally secured $1.5 million in venture capital. And they decided to pivot to a different uh, direction. And so in 2000, they formed Pandia, Pandora Media. That was what they, that was what they started, Pandora Media. That's what they that's what they were doing. They were going to Pandora Media. Mm -hmm. And uh, they began to uh, then actually use this database in order to to deliver songs. By the way, Pandora, I mean this this name, I don't know if you remember Pandora from Greek mythology. Yeah, I do. Pandora's I, box. I know, but but let me tell you where it came exactly. In Greek mythology, according uh, Prometheus a god of fire and a divine trickster stole fire from heaven and bestowed it, bestowed it upon mortals. 
Zeus was incensed that he had done this, and, to, and he decided to counteract the blessing of fire. So accordingly, he commissioned Hephaestus, the god of fire and patron of craftsmen, to fashion a woman out of earth upon whom the gods bestowed the choicest gifts. And they gave Pandora a jar containing all manner of misery and evil. And they sent Pandora, the first woman, the Eve, if you will, the Greek Eve, to earth to create trouble for man. So was it really Pandora's jar and not Pandora's box? Yeah, I'd be, it was really Pandora's jar, and we, we later became Pandora's box. And, of course, she opened the jar and let out all these bad things, you know, and like, well, like pandemics. Like COVID, COVID-19 might have come right out of Pandora's jar. So anyway, that, so he named it Pandora, and I don't, I don't know why he did that. but we, uh, Because Pandora is a good thing. Yeah, I know. Now, while he was trying to develop his uh, his business, uh, he, I mean, that, that one and a half million dollars didn't go that far. He maxed out 11 of his credit cards. Jeez. He paid off his rent from his checkbook. He'd have to kite the checks. Four <laughs> of, his, of his employees sued him for non-payment of their salaries. 50 employees worked two years without getting paid because they believed in his idea. Then when he focused on repurposing this thing from just an assist for radio stations to actually allowing users to listen to music using the, uh, using the uh, music genome, he launched a service, Pandora service, as we know, in November of 2005. And boom, it took off like a rock. People loved it because you no longer had to have curated playlists. You just put in a couple of songs you like, and then you would get a playlist of songs that, that you still like because they were close to their distance vectors were close to each other in the, uh, in their, uh, because they agreed in so many genomes. So this was a great way to select a playlist and consumers absolutely loved it. So he was, um, he was moving on to this thing really well. And guess what? The record industry sued him. They <laughs> sued him because he was playing all this. He was streaming all this music and not uh, paying royalties. Yeah, right. There you go. So, uh, and they were going to shut him down. But he he actually sent out an email to his fan base, and they were enraged that the music industry was going to shut him down because they loved it. So finally, RIAA came back, and they negotiated a settlement. So now the music industry gets 60% of the, of the money that you pay to Pandora, and they keep 40% to run operations. Now the company was nearly profitable. They had over 15 million uh, listeners. And he finally did succeed to get a large block of VC funding, around $35 million, and he was expanding. By March of 2010, Pandora had 700,000 tracks in the library. It had 48 million users who listened, on average, about 12 hours a month. In May 2010, Pandora was listed as lead 411's 210 hottest San Francisco companies. Uh, in 2010, he was listed by Time Magazine as one of the top most influential people in the world. The company went public in 2011, reporting $138 million in revenue that fiscal year. Now, he stayed on as with the company until 2017. He stepped down as CEO in 2017. In 2019, this I didn't realize this till last night when I was preparing the show, 
Sirius XM bought Pantora Media you know for $3.5 billion. I that's had no a, idea. That's a good payday. They kept the, yeah, that's a real good payday. They kept the, uh, you know, they, they're keeping the brand separate. I mean, I'm, I'm a Sirius XM user as well as a Pandora user. I wish they'd, they'd bring the two together, but they're keeping them separate. Now, this is what everybody wants to know. Yes. What is Westergren's personal Pandora station? What songs does he like <laughs> in that? Okay. These are the five songs that make up his favorite station. James Taylor, Ben Folds, Oscar Peterson, Elvis Costello, Muddy Waters, and Josh Fix. Hmm. Uh, do you know any of those, Jim? Uh, I think I've heard of Muddy Waters. James Taylor, yes. I've, he I've heard of Ben Folds. Heard of him. Elvis Costello, yes. Elvis Costello is married to one of my favorites, Diana Krall. Okay, so that's that's go. his thing. Now, if you want to... Now, I, I've been using Pandora from the very beginning. So I what do you like to listen you, to? Uh, I, I'm not going to reveal. Because it, oh. it's... I, it is so it is so old school, Jim. It's embarrassing. I I, I mean, I'm still stuck in the '70s. Well, you, you you're not the only one. I think I, I know stuck, what you like. I am stuck in the '70s, and almost anything from the '70s I'm happy with. If you you can go to Pandora www.pandora.com, and you can get it. I, I'm glad that he finally did get a payday because I'm telling you, he he worked. A long time to achieve that success, and it was a uh, it was a it was a career path that I don't think made his made his parents too happy, but he did in the end achieve success. So there you go. Everything you want to know about Timothy Brooks Westergren, the founder of Pandora Radio. So I, you know, I'll take some of the pressure off of you. My my favorite Pandora channels are Yacht Rock, which is basically music of the 70s and the 80s. So everybody's going to laugh at that. But you know, I also like I like the old stuff. So I've got I've got a Dean Martin channel that I listen to a lot because it doesn't get too heavy on Sinatra. You get a lot of the other standards. So do you feel better yeah, now, Doc? That's, yeah. That's uh, those sound Hmm? I can I'm, hear you. I'm going to let the cat out of the bag. And Doc's favorite Pandora channel is the ABBA channel. <laughs> <laughs> I do like ABBA. I, do I know like you do. ABBA. <laughs> I know. This is Tech Talk Radio. We're on 1500 AM, 103.5 FM HD2, 103.9 FM HD2, 107.7 FM HD2 uh, southwest of uh, Washington, and in Loudoun County on 104.5 FM. Learn more about Stratford University. Become a student by going to stratford.edu. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford 
Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Live from Washington, it's the Stratford University Pop Quiz with Andrew Mitchell, Jim Ross, Featuring Mr. Big Voice. With musical guest, the Stratford University Junkyard Band. And your host, Dr. Richard Schertz. Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I just love the applause, Jim. This is my favorite part of the show. And, you know, it's it, it, and it's at the halfway point, so what's not the I love? know. There and, you uh... You know, I'd like to welcome everyone back to the classroom of the airways, which I'm now revealing. And of course, if it's a classroom, we must assess whether the class has been learning, you know, we, with a, a pop quiz. That's our assessment tool. It is. And I'm going to give a pop quiz today. If you get the right answer to the pop quiz, you'll get uh, two tickets to fine dining when our dining room's open. And that's getting close, I believe. And you'll also get an A-plus for today's show. Earlier today, I talked about Timothy Brooks Westergren. He, of course, is the founder of Pandora Radio. Now, Pandora Radio was not the first name. What was the original name of the company that that, that Tim Westergren selected? If you know the the answer to today's question, pick up your phone, give us a call. Dialing from west of the Rockies, it's 877-936-9333. If you're standing next to a pile of vaccination cards east of Flyendale Shirts, Virginia, it's 877-936-9333. If you're maxing out your credit cards in Canada, call us on the wildcard line, 877-936-9333. Anyone else, anywhere else may call us on the international line. No longer sanitized hourly, but proof of vaccination required 24 hours before you call. 877-9-3639-333. Now, once again, here's Dr. Richard Church. Maybe we should you let this, folks... Maybe we should let this folks... This whole thing about uh-huh. um, uh, talking about Pandora, I started thinking about buying music versus streaming music. Mm-hmm. And there was a sea change of what was going on here. Remember the old days, Jim, you'd go to, to the CD store, you'd buy a CD and listen to it there and bring it home and listen to You'd have all your CDs stacked up and at the house, play them. I, I even had a, a, a player where I could load 50 CDs into it and it would just, it was like a turntable and it would just switch from one CD to another. You could even and get I that in get, your car. I uh, know it would no, we didn't. It wasn't really for the car. It and I and I could and I would group them by playlists, and maybe ten CDs would be in my playlist, and it would randomly jump between the ten CDs and play the song. So that was kind of the original, the original playlist. And then, and then I got I got tired of that. So then I t- 
took all my CDs and I and I I ripped them. I you know I pulled out the songs, converted them to MP3s, and I stored them on my um, on my computer. And then there were some songs I you know I, then I had Apple iTunes, and I had this huge fight with Apple iTunes because they said that I didn't own the C, the, those MP3s because. I didn't buy them from Apple, mm -hmm. and it took me forever to get them included in the iTunes library because of all of the uh, copy protection stuff. Hmm. It was a nightmare, and uh, you know. And so then, I, then I would some, then I would bought some tracks from uh, from iTunes because you get them for ninety nine cents a track. So, right. but everybody was like buying music, and then all of a sudden these streaming services came out like Pandora. And Steve Jobs said, well, that is stupid. Who, who, who's going to rent music? You buy it, you own it, you never have to pay for it again. But in the end, people actually liked streaming services, and they would just pay a, a monthly charge, and they could, they'd have access to, you know, 100,000 records, well, whatever that, they wanted. You don't even have to pay for it. You can get the free Pandora, and you, can you get have the free to put Pandora, up with the commercials. Yeah, and, just, and you just listen to the ads. Right. I mean— I mean, like like a modest library, say, of ten thousand songs. That 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 would be, according to the article I was reading, that was a modest library. Now, that'd yeah. be a huge library in, in my books. It would be well, mine a too. modest library, with each song being about three megabytes. You'd have to have thirty gigabytes to store all those, and then you'd have to, you know, then you'd probably want a backup. You'd probably want, and then you may want to, you know, get a. Uh, a server where you could serve these songs to anybody. So you might want to upload it to the cloud. So it's quite complicated. Moreover, 10,000 songs, if you buy them at 99 cents a song, that's $10,000. You're just shy of that. $9,999. Nine, $9,999. I know. I was, I was rounding up, Jim. <laughs> I'm messing with you. Yeah. So in the end, it was just too hard to own the tracks. Yeah. And streaming services won. And then the issue became because artists, whenever a CD was sold, they would get a definite royalty on the CD. They get a percentage of the CD. When you have streaming, there's no nothing's purchased. So there was a huge negotiation between the streaming services and the artists and the record companies as to how the revenues would be split. And that is still being negotiated and fought out. And we still have some artists that are refusing to use streaming services. But in the end, I think streaming is the best solution. And we just want to find a way to get everybody properly compensated for their work. Yeah. Now, you know, it's funny you mentioned uh, CDs and, and, the, and the CD changer. I found – I moved recently, and I found a device that you'll recall, the mini disc player. Do you remember the mini disc? Let's – what what is, what is oh what is that? How, it, would you put CDs? Would you put CDs well, in it? It's 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 small. It's a uh, it's 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 a smaller player. So remember that if you decided to go for a walk or running with your CD player, it would skip all the time, right? Yeah. So the mini disc is much smaller. I would say the discs are square. And they're and they're probably maybe two inches and a half by two and a half inches. Oh and the yeah, disc that, is, that was like that was a precursor to the Walkman into the iPod. Right, and 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 so and and the disc was inside the square plastic case, and it was also recordable, which I thought was really cool yeah, because yeah. being the radio geek, I would take this thing on vacation and record radio stations in other cities, and so now I have this trove of twenty year old mini discs that I'm listening to of radio wow. stations from a long time ago. So there you go. There's my radio geekery. 
Let's, yeah, tell, so let's, that... let's tell people why things are a little bit uh, wonky today. So normally, while, while we're uh, you know apart from each other, Rick is on Skype. But today, he can't hear the audio through the board, so he is listening on his cell phone. We are doing a simultaneous cell phone call to the Skype call. The Skype audio sounds better. The audio, the only way to hear what we call in the business return audio is for Rick to be on the cell phone. So that's why we've got one ear on and one ear off in the headphones. It's and a little complicated because the the audio that I'm getting back from the studio is delayed by a few seconds, so I get feedback on my own voice. And with But with one ear off on the headset, I hear my own voice with the ear that's doesn't have the headset on so I can survive. It's yeah and and, and doc that is a traffic reporter trick because ah. I, you know I can sit and do a traffic report and leave one ear off and hear the police scanners while I'm talking on the air. So there you go. Yeah. Um that was a great a great idea. Well I'm I'm here to help. Um so we don't have a winner yet. Why don't you ask the question one more time before we go to break? Okay, Pandora, uh, of course, uh, I talked about the uh, Timothy Westerbrand, the founder of Pandora. But Pandora Radio was not the first name of the company. He had another name of the company that's kind of weird, actually. Three words. Three words. Three words. All right. If you know the answer, here's the number. 877-936-9333. Just uh, make it easy. No, we're not going to give him the words. <laughs> well, okay. We're just going to be We're telling tell him it's three words. And that, I, I'm sorry. I didn't hear that number. Once again, it is. 877-936-39-333. That, of course, the international line. It is a Tech Talk Radio that you're listening to. It is Saturday morning, and this is Federal News Network. Heard on 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD 2, 1039 FM HD 2, Southwest of D.C. on 107.7 FM HD2 and Loudoun County on 104.5 FM. Stratford.edu is the website you need to learn about what's happening at Stratford University and how you can attend. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University because Doc's having a little bit of trouble hearing. I'll just take it from there. And Doc, uh, go ahead. Okay, yeah, here we are. Let's talk about App of the Week. 
you know, I got really into this whole music thing, and I've used this app for a long time, Shazam. Yeah. Do you ever use Shazam, I, Jim? I have. It's very useful. Yeah, it's uh, it's a way to identify music that you're listening to. Sh- Shazam is an application. It identifies music, movies, advertising, television shows. You, you, you play a short sample to Shazam using the mic on the device, and it'll come back and tell you exactly what it is. The original developer of the app, Shazam Entertainment, was founded in 1999. I didn't realize this. On September 24th, 2018, it was acquired by Apple for $400 million. Actually, I didn't know that till last night. Nor did the software I. is available for Android, Mac OS, iOS, Wear, Wear, Wear OS, or Watch OS. The nice thing about Shazam, you, you, you know, you'll be listening to a music. You'll be at a concert. Maybe a music, something's playing over the radio, and you say, wow, I love that song. I wonder what the name of it is and who the artists are. You turn on the Shazam app, and you listen for, I mean, literally five to ten seconds, and it gives you the artist and all the details on the song. It works extremely well. It, I mean, it even works for TV shows. I, I've been using that app for the longest time. Have you ever been able to stump Shazam? Uh, no. Well, the only time it would be some... Uh, weird news program that it, I've never stumped it with with a, with a with music. I've tried to hum a, a, a tune into Shazam to see if he could figure out what it is if I get something stuck in my head. That doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah, but that's more of an indictment of your humming than it is of Shazam. <laughs> I think maybe you're right. <laughs> Touche. So now let's talk about face. You know, FaceTime is really a great option where you can have you know video FaceTime video calls with people with you know both video as well as sound. And FaceTime is extremely convenient on uh, on the iPhone and, and all the iPhone users they FaceTime back and forth. And then they talk to an Android user or somebody on Windows. Oh, you can't FaceTime. Sorry, you won't be able to join our group. And there's kind of so there's kind of a FaceTime fear of missing out. FaceTime FOMO, as they say in the Android oh, community. Well, that's about to be fixed with the new upgrade to the to the Apple operating system iOS to iOS 15. Uh, it's going to turn FaceTime into a slightly different look. It's going to look more like Zoom. Or Microsoft Teams, it, hmm. like it has an, a participant grid. We can see the grid of all the participants on the screen, which is nice instead of just the one person who's talking. Or it might look, it has a similar look to Microsoft Teams. It also, what is nice, it allows you to schedule calls. <clears throat> this is a feature that uh, that I use in Zoom all the time. I'll schedule a call. People get an invite, and they can all, all log in without a problem. They just have a link. And it also has, they're, they're releasing something new with this called spatial audio, which means if the person is on the left side of the screen in the grid view, it sounds like the audio is coming from the left or from the right. And so there's a spatial component to the audio coming out of your cell phone. It's like surround sound. Like a surround sound, yeah, which is the cell phone. It's kind of amazing that they, they're able. I haven't seen how it works, but people who have used the uh, use that um, spatial audio say it's really quite good. Now, here's how they're opening this thing up to non-Apple devices. Uh, the non-Apple devices have to use a web browser. Uh, so if you're in an Android phone, you just open up the web browser. 
or a, a Windows, or it could be on a on a uh, on a Windows machine. Uh, <clears throat> just open up the web browser, or a, or a Chromebook. Open up the web browser, and when you're invited to the FaceTime call, you'll be given a link. You simply click on that link, and FaceTime is opened up in the browser, and you can then participate in the FaceTime, uh, the entire FaceTime meeting using your browser as the interface. And that means that everybody can join the call. Now, the only caveat here is that only an Apple user, an iPhone user, can initiate the call. Only an iPhone user can schedule a call. Uh, so the Android users, Windows users, can't do either of that. They can just participate in a call to which they are invited. But this I think is a great development. I mean, I've got people in my family group who are diehard Android users, yeah. and they just, um, you know, get a little irritated when we have our FaceTime. You really calls. have to wonder about that. You know, I, in, in today's world, my first value judgment about a person is when they come up on my text, whether it's blue or green. I'm like, ah, oh, an Android person. Yeah, that's right. I know mm, if, if it's a, I don't if know. it's a green. Green text message, you know that they're not. That's not iMessage. That's there really right. are two kinds of people in this world: iPhone people that's, and Android people. That's it. I know, and mm -hmm. and and they're so. Both groups are so elitist. <laughs> yes, they are. You're right. You're they absolutely are so right. Elitist. They re they really are both very very elitist. Uh -huh. Now, uh -huh. now there, there is an example of of real discrimination. <laughs> we need to have inclusion for all cell phone operating systems. <laughs> That's, you're right. Oh, that's. I think we funny. we need to organize a march for that. We need equity, inclusion, inclusion across the board. Platform. Let's equity. talk about these Amazon devices. They're going to share the internet with your neighbor. I'll talk a brief. That okay. one that went live, by the way, on June eighth, this week. Ah. And uh, what it does is, um, so um, it it uses not just Wi-Fi to share the internet, it uses uh, 900 megahertz radio frequency. And the 900 mega, megahertz radio frequency has a range of about half a mile. Yeah. So it could, your devices could connect, say your, your Echo device or your Ring device could connect to another device half a mile away. So, uh, and they, uh, and they, they could uh, talk to each other. And, um, and so, uh, they they opened up this Amazon sidewalk, and the idea is to make an extended network, which Amazon says is free. But actually, uh, what they've done, you've bought the hardware, you're paying for the Wi-Fi connection, and you are giving access free of charge, and Amazon's just trying to steal it. So that they're not really giving much away free. Now, what's the advantage of this? I mean, people are saying, well, it could be a security problem. And so, like for, for full disclosure, I've, I, I, I went into my Echo device and I disabled uh, Sidewalk. But there, but there may be reasons that you may want to use it. For instance, uh, uh, with this Amazon Sidewalk, you, you've heard the tile trackers where, um, where you've got a little device and you uh, put your keys or your purse, and when you get near. Uh, Near uh, near another tile application on a on a phone, it will ping you and say, "Hey, we we found your tile device." Now the problem with tile is that there weren't enough tile apps open to give much tracking with hmm. tile, but tile is writing an interface to Amazon Echo, 
So now if, if there's a missing tile unit and it's detected by one of the Amazon devices, it will come back and notify you at your house. So if you want to help your neighbors find lost things, uh, you could leave it on it as sort of something nice to do. Um, uh, uh, Amazon has, um, has said that they will limit the amount of, uh, of data that it uses, that it would be limited to 800 kilobits per second, which is about one fortieth of the, of the bandwidths used for a high definition video. And so, um, it is an interesting idea uh, to get an extended network to find lost things. Um, and so I, I sort of, I, I turned it off because honestly, I don't trust Amazon with this. But, uh, but when I started thinking, well, if I could help other people find lost objects, it might be, uh, it might be okay. You could turn Th it this on is gonna. But yeah, you know, I, I might turn it on there just, just, but, but then it's something I've chosen to do. Right. But I don't like the way that Amazon did. They just turned it all on and they made it an opt-out service. You well, were automatically opted in, and they didn't tell you much about it. Well, you're right. I didn't like that. A, I don't trust them because you know I go into Amazon, and honestly, I'm trying less and less and less to buy things on Amazon because I think Jeff Bezos has enough of my money. But, uh -huh. you know, if Amazon's open and I go look at something on another website, I start getting stuff from Amazon about you know, things related to. So I don't trust them. But how about security? Is this a security? No, they can, they can, they can definitely, definitely uh, track you. Is it, it, a, is, a security? it is an interesting idea. I mean, this, this would make Tile much more competitive. I mean, the Apple AirTags are phenomenal. Mm. <clears throat> you know, the Apple AirTags, if you, you can put it on things and you lose it, there are so many iPhones out there that whenever an iPhone gets close to an AirTag that's lost, it will ping and you'll get the location of that AirTag and you, and you can use, a, you know, basically find my phone applications like find my AirTag and it will tell you exactly where it is. So the, the Apple AirTags have been a rousing success because there are millions of iPhones out there that, that, that can be used to hunt down a missing AirTag. But there weren't that many tile users. They didn't have the market penetration to make it useful. And this might make it useful for tile. So, I mean, it might, it might make tile competitive with the Apple AirTag. But. My, my question is, with, with these things on, does it make it more, is it make it easier for people to hack into your stuff, do you think? Well, I, from what I've read, the security is pretty good. What it does do, for instance, Jim, suppose you lose, suppose your ring doorbell is operating and you, use, you lose internet in your house. <clears throat> uh, your ring device will connect with another device using the R, the 900 megahertz and your ring device will still function and send you data through your neighbor's Wi-Fi. Hmm. So it gives you more resilience to your own network if, if you've got an unstable internet access. It also allows you to set up your Amazon devices more conveniently. You don't have to log on. Like if you bring a new Amazon device in the house, it'll talk over that 900 megahertz channel and it will automatically configure the Wi-Fi connection. And you don't have to do it. It'll, it'll be almost automatic configuration. So it makes it easier to configure devices. It gives you more robust performance if you've got unstable internet and you can help your neighbors. So, so those are the three pluses. So um, if neighbors are then sharing, sharing Wi-Fi, what if somebody does something nefarious? 
you know, as we've talked uh, about sharing things like this in the past, does, does that make you possibly liable because they can't figure out who was doing no, what? No, I, I, uh, I, I don't think that would really happen. I, I turned mine off because I want to see how the security shakes out. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think in the next couple of months where people are going to try to hack this thing, we'll have a pretty good idea of how much, how good the security is. Uh, we'll have a pretty good idea of how, how long, how effective the security is in a couple of months. But, you know, the more I thought about it, I, I don't mind helping my neighbors find lost dogs. I mean, they could right. put a tile on their dog. I, I don't really mind doing that, you know. And, and if the security is okay, and that, that's what I'm, it's kind of a wait and see for me, yeah. I, I, I may turn it back on. Now, well, I yeah, believe so what, that when, Am- when you decide you want to use it, turn it on. That's, that's probably the best way yeah. to do it. There's and some I, things see, you don't I want believe, to be ground yeah, floor on. I, you, you don't want to just opt in automatically. Yeah. And I, I think that Amazon should have explained. It took me a while to figure out what, what the advantages were. Guess what? We're out of uh, time, Doc. we got to wrap it up. Listen, oh, listen, we love your emails. Email us at techtalk at stratford.edu. We'll get back to you as soon as we can. And go to our website and tell them you heard about those programs on Tech Talk Radio. Tech Talk Radio is sponsored by Stratford University. For more information on courses at Stratford University, call 1-800-444-0804. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk Radio Online.